I don't know what the pulpit committee had against me. <laughs> or maybe against you. Or against both of us. But I'm very glad that you're here to listen to the word of God tonight. In any case, I, on my way here, I got another picture of country of origin or state of origin. Listen to this. We are only here tonight because our Savior long ago left his state of origin, ivory palaces, to come down under, to walk a few miles in our shoes, to fall victim to our kangaroo courts of humanity. And then he returned and he gave us the wonderful spirit of God that is with us tonight. <laughs> Isn't that neat? I thought that was quite neat. Let's just bow our heads and pray, please. <clears throat> Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. Holy Spirit, thou art welcome in this place. Omnipotent Spirit of mercy and grace, thou art welcome in this place. Would you kindly bless the word tonight? Teach us more about the Holy Spirit. We ask it in Jesus' name and we thank thee for that. Amen. Every good message starts with a real concern. My concern, Brother Robin, is that we have still so much to learn about God the Holy Spirit. I read a book the other day which my good wife uh, gifted me with. And the title of this book was very disconcerting. It said, Forgotten God. Remember the forgotten God, Francis Chan, God the Holy Spirit. I read an article recently in the same sort of line which said that in many of our established other denominational Christian churches, there is a spirit of Holy Spirit atheism. Can you believe that something like that can happen in church? At best, Holy Spirit agnosticism. I don't care. So my concern tonight is, Lord, teach us more about your Holy Spirit. We can never, ever uh, know enough about the subject or completely exhaust what God has in store for us on that subject. But tonight I would like to speak to you around the picture of two advocates, under the title of two advocates. And may God bless the word to you tonight. Now, we need two advocates 
One, as I said initially, in our state of origin, the intercessor at the throne of God for us. 1 John 2, 1. Though we sin, we have an advocate. We have an advocate, an intercessor, right at the throne of God. But while we are still here in this dispensation, we also need the advocate alongside us. Our translation says the comforter, God, the Holy Spirit. We need both of them. Uh, and I'm going to make a few observations in the time allowed tonight. Let me just put my glasses on because I need to see the watch. <laughs> right. Um, a few observations around the theme of two advocates. Now, we get this, and we're going to quickly get to our scripture portion. We get this from the upper room discourse. Now, I want to advise all of us because of the importance of the Holy Spirit as a subject of study for us. Please familiarize yourself in depth with the upper room discourse where Jesus in his last conversation with his disciples before his departure, spoke intimately about the comfort of the Holy Spirit that he was going to send. Um, that portion of Scripture is, is the riches on the Holy Spirit in the entire Bible. And in fact, only uh, John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Those four chapters contain more about God, the Holy Spirit, than the rest of the New Testament combined. So bear that in mind. It's, it's very important that we know that. Now, what is this dispensation of the Holy Spirit that we're living in? I believe that we are in the third dispensation. First, we had the dispensation of the Father, then we had the dispensation of the Son in the incarnation period. And now we are in the dispensation of God, the Holy Spirit. So technically speaking, you and I still live in the era, the epoch of Pentecost. This is still the day of Pentecost. And that is why our focus in this dispensation should be very clearly on God, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the door to Christ in the same way as Christ is the door to the Father. In John 10, he's the gatekeeper. Just go and read it. Nobody can come to me unless my Father draws him, and my Father draws him through the Holy Spirit. All right. So he's the door to Christ. And for that reason, it's very important that the two advocates are also a character of the dispensation that we are in, the dispensation of God, the Holy Spirit. Now let's read our scripture for tonight, John 14, and I'm going to be really quick. Can somebody tell me what time is the kickoff of the game tonight? Eight o'clock? Quarter to eight? <laughs> I better hasten, okay, right. <laughs> I think that was just planted, I don't think that's true. Right, John 14, please, if you would then, uh, verse 16. And I will pray the Father, and he shall give you 
another comforter that he may abide with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth him, but ye know him, listen to this, for he dwelleth with you and shall be in you. This is a very strong Trinitarian text as well. We can think separately about God, the Holy Spirit, and Christ, but we can never really separate them. Right. Who is the Holy Spirit? In our text portion, it speaks about another comforter. I've already said that means the supposition is that there must be another comforter already. If this is the second comforter that was sent to us, God the Holy Spirit. Now, this word comforter in here is slightly unfortunate. Sometimes words have a meaning, but because of a moving culture over time, the content of that meaning does not appeal to us or speak to us to the same extent as to the original hearers. And that's what happened here. The original word for comforter here is paraclete, a Greek word, parakletos, which consists of two components. Para, which means alongside, next to. Let's stop there for a moment. You must have heard paralegal, paramedic. What does that mean? It means it is a system or an activity parallel, that's the other one, parallel, parallel to something else, to the Formal profession of medics. You have paramedics. Paralegal. It's a, a legal system running parallel to the formal legal system. In support of, next to, alongside. The Bible has a word parable, which has exactly the same meaning. Parable, Christ wanted to make a certain principle, state a certain principle, make a case for a principle. And then he takes an illustration and he throws it alongside the principle. And it illustrates the principle that he's talking about. Parable. So the first word of paraclete is para, next to, alongside, and cleat is to call or called. So what does paraclete then mean? Called alongside you and me, next to us. But what if we go back to the culture when this was written? The Greek culture is what we should interrogate in this case. In the Greek culture, paraclete was family attorney. I think these Greeks had lots and lots of fights among one another. I don't know what for. Vineyards, gambling, whatever. And they had a paraclete, which was the family attorney, the family advocate, on full retainer for the family, exclusively, and often in those times, resident on the same property. So it was a resident 
attorney, a resident advocate. Doesn't that speak wonderfully about what we know about the Holy Spirit? Our advocate that resides with us and in fact in us. So that is what paraclete actually means. To advocate for you and, and give you support in the battle. Support for the battle, the battle that we're in. Don't forget that the promise of the Holy Spirit was given against a backdrop of fear, of separation. Jesus telling his disciples, I'm going to leave you now. And impending persecution. That is why it is important to understand the meaning of paraclete. So now, Jesus says, don't fear, don't fret about these things. Don't be discouraged. Up to now, I was your source of discouragement. I was the one that gave you comfort. I was the one that looked after you. But I go away, but I'll send the paraclete, the family lawyer, resident one, full time in your service to be at your side. And then he says, go back to Jerusalem and tarry there. For what? Until you have been bestowed with power. Right? With power. You, ye shall receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. I send you the paraclete, your private advocate, your family advocate. Now, it's so wonderful. Now, now Mrs. Blake, a song makes sense to me that says, I'm so glad I'm a part of the family of God because we have our own internal residential advocate, the Holy Spirit. Right. I'm trying my best to go quickly. Right. <laughs> so the picture, paraclete, is one of strength and power. It's not comfort as you and I would today understand it. We come to that in a minute. So we have two advocates, and what is so wonderful, John 16 verse 7 says, it is expedient for you that I go away. Why is it expedient? Now we have two advocates. In, in the mouth of two witnesses, anything stands firm. The one witnesses about the other. We have two advocates, and the wonderful thing is they correspond with one another. In our homeland, we have our advocate there, next to the throne of God. Because, remember, our conversation is there. Our citizenship is there. So he's our home advocate. And then we have one in this land where we sojourn as, as strangers. We have the paraclete with us as well. And they talk to one another in behalf of us and advocating our case. Isn't that wonderful, Julie? Good. My next point, why then comforter? Why not advocate? Well, it is, a, I don't want to call it a glitch of translation, but it is a bit inconsistent because here in John's, uh, 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 in the epistles, in the letters of John, they actually translated paraclete with the advocate as the one, the text that I quoted for you. Though we sin, we have an advocate. The same word paraclete was here uh, translated comforter. 
And that caused confusion through the ages. <laughs> and it brings me to a very interesting story out of history. Friedrich Nietzsche, atheist philosopher of the 1860s, 1870s, thereabout. Nietzsche was very critical of the impact of the Christian church on Western society. And Kierkegaard, but Nietzsche in particular. Nietzsche said that the Judeo-Christian uh, ethic produces weaklings. Weaklings. They always need to be nurtured because they, their paraclete is a comforter. It is someone that comes in afterwards and treats the bruises and the stuff. And the ethic speaks of love and of service and of humility. Uh, anything but the strong man. And then Nietzsche's criticism was actually leveled at the Christians because in his mind for society, he had the idea of the superman, the ubermensch, the superman. He says the Christian uh, ethic is not authentic. He says because man was born to rule, and it sounds very much like Adam, doesn't it? <laughs> he says man was never made a loser. And yet the Christian philosophy makes of him a loser and a weakling. And that's why he couldn't subscribe to Christianity. So that is Nietzsche. And then he said, God is dead. Famous saying of his. And then he said, God died of pity. Because he looked at these Christians and he said, well... You know, uh, this is a sorry state, and God died of pity, according to him. He said, Christianity produces a society of weaklings. Christianity is unauthentic because man is actually created to rule. Man was created as a conqueror. In his quest for Superman, Ubermensch. And you know what he did? He gave a copy. Uh, uh, Adolf Hitler idolized this man. And he took copies of the book of Nietzsche. And when he rose to power in the 1930s, he actually, for one Christmas, sent all his henchmen a copy of Nietzsche's book about the Ubermensch, Ubermensch, Superman, the top race. So let's look closer at Comforter in this context. Again, the underlying word is, word is parakletos, but it was translated comforter. And this comforter comes from the Latin version. Now there's a nice story about this. Listen to me now carefully. In Latin also here you've got a word with two components. It's cum of comfort means with. The same idea as alongside, with. And the other one is forte. Now I am absolutely stupid when it comes to music. But this instrument was originally called a pianoforte. 
a pianoforte. You know why it was called a pianoforte? We just for short now say piano. Because it is to distinguish the piano from the harpsichord. They share the same technology and the same dynamic. But this boy has a modality in him that can amplify the sound. And I know nothing about music, but if you can imagine for yourself a little if. I understand from the musicians that if you look at a bar of music and you play it and it says a, little, a small f, a lowercase f, it means forte or fortissimo, which means with strength, play with strength. And if it's a double F, it says bang the keys. All right. So, piano forte. I can ask Brother Danny, what is your forte? Which means, what is your strong suit? That's what stands there. With forte. It's not a comforter in the sense that you and I attach to the word today. So, it is exactly the same as paraclete in the previous uh, uh, section that we talked about. It is not comfort or consolation after the battle, although God does that. All through history, God was like a mother hen. There was always that soft side of God, the consoling side. In fact, Christ was called the consolation of Israel, wasn't it? Isaiah 40 and Luke 2, where Simeon holds the little baby in his arms. And he said, I may go now because I saw the consolation, the comforter of Israel. But in this case, the Holy Spirit came with forte. Amplification is the key word here. Right. We've got two advocates. I'm almost through. <laughs> My third point is, can we then today rely on the paraclete. Does this paraclete have the track record, the experience that you and I need to go through these battles? Because he's alongside us in the battle, but he's actually always there. He was there before the battle started. I say yes. Even before Pentecost, he proved himself. Why do I say that? These articles, you know, all attorneys do articles, don't they? Also in Australia? Yeah. These articles were the incarnated Son of God. He was there at the virgin birth, long before Pentecost. He did his articles on Jesus, that advocate. He was there at the virgin birth. He was there at the inauguration of Jesus, the inception of his ministry when he got baptized. He was there in his passion, uh, in his death, he quickened him from the death, in his resurrection, and lo and behold, the cloud that took Jesus away at the, at the ascension was the Spiritlete, the Holy Spirit. It's not any cloud that cloud, if you would want to uh, do some study on your own, that cloud is a long history, ever since, ever, uh, even from the Old Testament. 
That is where this paraclete did its articles, on Jesus Christ himself. So my, and he graduated with honors through the whole earthly life of Christ. So note, apart from that, Hebrews says, Christ endured the whole incarnation, not just his death, the fact that he had to lay down all his pre-existing glory to come to earth in our stead. The enticement, the prize for Christ of all of this that he went through was only to get the Holy Spirit from the Father. That was all that Christ lived for, to get the Holy Spirit, the gift, the promised gift of the paraclete to give it to his followers. So I say tonight, you and I are so privileged, we can rely unconditionally, Brother Jewel, on this paraclete. Although his spurs have been proven. The last one. I, I hope I left the best for last. This is now the climax. I've done very well, don't you think so? Right, you won't miss kickoff. There's an awesome revelation that we must not miss about our relationship with this paraclete. How will it all end? How will it all end? You know what? We all need to appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Romans 14.10. But do you know what is going to happen when we walk in there? Something that we could never have dreamt. Your family attorney, the home advocate, now sits on the bench. He's your judge. A friendly party to your spiritual career is now the judge. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> He's the judge. None other than our home attorney he is now our judge. Isn't not a perfect ending. He smiles and says, Romans 8.1, there is therefore, he looks at you, now no condemnation. You can go free because he knows you through and through. He defended you on many occasions. And now he's the judge appointed by God. And he says, come in, welcome here. There's no condemnation for you anymore. Uh, where do I get the fact that uh, the Spirit and Christ, we all know from Trinitarian doctrine that they are one and the same God. There's no doubt in our minds about that. But 2 Corinthians 3.17 says something very beautiful. It says, the Lord is the Spirit. And where the Spirit is, there is freedom. There is liberty. <laughs> so you're free. You have been liberated by the Spirit. The Lord and the Spirit are actually one. And do you know where you can also find that picture very clearly? When Stephen died, Acts 7. He saw the courtrooms of heaven. And he only saw one, Paraclete. 
the home paraclete. There was no need for a second. There was not even a prosecutor there, a prosecuting attorney. And Christ, our heavenly paraclete, stood up in honor for a dying Stephen. That's the picture that you and I will also experience one of these days. So, all of a sudden, without our understanding, the two paracletes again merged into one. The picture flowed into one, very harmoniously. Uh, and then I just want to close. Romans 8.37. <laughs> We've talked about the background of hostility and fear and separation and persecution. Let's uh, look at 36 because it paints the picture of our context again. As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all day long, verse 36, we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter, and then verse 37, nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors, pastor, through him that loved us. Nietzsche, we are conquerors. We are no weaklings. Christianity is a religion of conquerors. And this says it all. Right. In closing, when we pray tonight, remember this, know this. Our resident paraclete prays and pleads alongside us. 8.26, just a few verses earlier. Likewise, the Spirit also helpeth our infirmities, for we know not what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit itself, our paraclete, maketh intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. So when you and I fall silent, our paraclete alongside us continues and he amplifies what we need at the throne of God. I hope that this message tonight was a blessing to you. And that we've learned something about the Holy Spirit. And I wish, I wish that we will develop an appreciation to such an extent that whatever else we do, that we never neglect our study of God, the Holy Spirit. May God bless you. Thank you very much.